1: And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings
0: once again, water ski fans. I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot. This is the TWBC uh, Podcast. Uh, welcome to this uh, very latest uh, episode. And I'm pleased to have the pleasure of pleasure of uh, of this uh, this guy's company. One of the greatest overall skiers uh, at this time, uh, from Canada. His name is Dorian Llewellyn. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Tony. Not a problem. Not a problem. We're at the King of Darkness. Uh, primarily a jump event, but you do participate in the in the tricks event as well. Uh, and as I mentioned right up front, uh, an overall a triple threat, so to speak. So, uh, this season being the world season is going to be especially important to you uh, in in that regard, isn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, it feels like everything's leading up to the worlds in every single event. So tournaments like this, it's a really good intro to get myself to focus on jump for a little bit, but then obviously afterwards, uh, going right back to thinking about all three events and continuing to push towards the Worlds for sure.
0: Now obviously there's an individual element to the World Championships of which you're going to be very much a part of. I mean you'll be competing in overall against the likes of Martin Coleman and Joel Poland and and the like but there's also a team component uh in the mix as well you're going to be part of a uh, team Canada now the now the team competition is going to have a little bit of a wrench thrown into it because uh, not many uh, not many countries are going to be able to field uh, their full team of skiers but yet I believe the United States and Canada uh, could well come in with a full strength team and you're going to be very much a part of that.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, Being a part of the Canadian national team is always such a treat for me. Um, I grew up playing hockey and with my dad being from Canada, uh, just remember cheering for Canada at the Olympics and all that stuff. And obviously, you know, I have my connections to the US. I live here. I live in Florida. um, And I love watching sports here too. And also Austria, um, especially the snow sports. But uh, there was always a special place for in my heart for Canada. And um, so being able to compete on the canadian team with my dad with all the other people like ryan dodd whitney mcclintock just legends in the sport uh it's really been a dream come true um but yeah like you said you know this year and last year has been obviously really different um we are blessed to have a lot of the pro skiers here and a lot of the canadians a lot of the americans obviously are in in the u.s and in florida especially um yeah like i said you know the pro guys i'd say 90 percent of the pro water ski community does live in florida so that is a good start for getting a lot of people at the worlds that should obviously be there um i know there's definitely some countries that are going to struggle australia right off the bat you know uh, jacinta and joel howley couldn't even make it to the masters and i know they're sitting at home with their fingers crossed that they'll be able to come and defend their titles um because those two are so deserving of being world champions and being out there to push it again and i know having them at tournaments just pushes everybody else to be better so you know it's it's tough and i'm i'm still hoping that in the next couple months with all the vaccines and stuff we can get it figured out but um yeah you know it's it's unfortunate and i've i've recognized in the last year how fortunate i am to have an international family with my dad being canadian and my mom being austrian It never really hit me, like, traveling, how big a deal that was to have those connections. But in the last year, being able to go to Austria and see my family there Mm -hmm. and enjoy time there, um, it's such a blessing. Yeah. I mean, do you think that
0: with the... That with the current situation with the pandemic and the very the restrictions that uh, that countries are putting on their citizens to travel to and from their countries, you know, I mean, there there are some that are allowing international travel and some, as you say, Australia that don't. But I mean, let's play devil's advocate here a little bit. I mean, do you, do you believe that that these World Championships coming up uh, in Central Florida? Uh, are worthy of an asterisk to be put next to them you know and making making it less of a world championship situation <laughs> I mean I mean let's be honest here
2: um you know I don't think from the events that I'm going for and the people that I know are going to be there I think this is actually going to be even harder um like you mentioned already you know you got Martin Coleman and overall you got Joel who just set a the new world overall record and the two of us have been going at it just on the ranking list for the last year. Um, obviously, you can never count out Adam Siddlemeier. I know he's, he's taken a bit of a break in the last couple weeks and like hasn't skied as much with having two kids now. But um, you can never count him out as a multiple-time world champion and always a perennial threat for overall. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the overall field is the strongest it's – I think ever has been – um, with probably eight guys or even the top 10 guys that could all take the title. Um, in terms of tricks, I mean, you saw it for the qualifyings for the mm-hmm. Masters. Everybody was tricking over 11,000 points to get into the Masters, and then at the Masters you had to trick over 11 to make the finals. Um, and that, yeah, in terms of jump, I mean, all the guys are here. Every, like, Everybody's going really far, and I think for what I can see, I would definitely if anything i'd put an asterisk next to we're going to be at jacks at one of the best sites in the world and i think the scores are going to be absolutely off the chain so you know that's that's my personal take on it but obviously if jacinta isn't able to make it and jump i would never say put an asterisk next to it but you always have to take that into account of you know how much has she skied and how is she going to be here when she's here and if she's even 80 percent obviously we all know what that means with her mm-hmm. having won 30 plus pro events in a row and that's nothing against any of the other girls but you know um i definitely hope that she comes and that joel and everybody else makes it for the event
0: very good answer. Very good answer indeed, and uh, certainly you will be uh, all primed and ready, ready for that event. Uh, the the overall, which uh, which is your primary category in the in the World Championships. Now, I, I've asked this of at least of a couple of people that I've done a podcast with. Uh, do you honestly think that
2: overall gets the respect that it that it uh, that it should deserve? Um, I. I like you said I'm obviously a big overall guy always growing up knew I was going to do all three events and um, just loved seeing how far I could push myself and still pushing myself in each event so you know when I come out to tournaments like this I mean today um, I wasn't all that excited with my 215 jump and watching Jack and and Freddie go 225 and 234 I mean I'm I was fuming on the shore like I I know those guys are obviously of the top category in the world and jump and they're specialists in jump. And obviously Freddie is Freddie. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to go out there and compete in each event. I'd never put that, that asterisk next to, well, I'm an overall skier. Um, and mm. I think that's the beauty of overall is that you, yeah. you have that opportunity to push yourself in each event and see the true limits of what you can do. Um, in terms of, you know, the respect that it deserves, I think, it's been lost in the last 10-ish years. I know my dad's era of skiing was the golden age of water skiing with the Coors Light Tour and everything. And uh-huh. I think the the number of overall skiers at the time, I mean, you have, you know, Carl Roberge, There's Sammy Duvall. Yeah, Patrice, my dad. Um, Even Mike Hayeswood back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And then I obviously, the, the generation after with guys like Jimmy Seamers, I mean, those, yeah. those guys were all so fixated on being the best overall skier because they knew that, being the best all-around skier meant that that was the king title and you even have guys like Ryan Dodd I mean I've talked to Ryan uh, just jumping with him a lot he's one of the guys I consider my coaches and you know his original dream was to become overall world champion but the more he grew up and the more he saw the direction that the sport was going with more individual events and one-off tournaments um, yeah he just he knew that it wasn't sustainable at least for him and and you know I'm I'm blessed to have the support not only of my family but you know my sponsors like Red Bull uh, to keep me in a position where I can push in all those events and you know I, I think I do think it's making a comeback um, I think in the last couple of years uh, last year when I set the pending overall record uh, I had a lot of people that came up to me and were telling me how cool it was and to be able to go out and uh, I went 220 plus so I went 223 and. I ran one at 41 and tricked 11,000 points. So they said how amazing it was that an overall skier could do that and how I was bringing overall back, which I didn't feel like I was bringing it back, but to <laughs> like you said, to many people it was eye-opening and this year, you know, with what Joel's done obviously that's just adding on top of everything that we're doing.
0: All right. Obviously obviously what you do in the overall event uh account uh counts for a lot i mean you're one of the top over skiers in the world and you focus upon the world championship but there are other events uh, so so to speak i mean the pan-american games should should start to come up come into your view within about the next season or so i think the next one's going to be in like santiago uh de chile you i think you competed in the last one in lima i mean how how much do you gain exposure wise uh for uh, skiing for canada in the pan-american games because i mean in in this part of the world the united states i mean they could care less about the pan-american games so far as tv but in canada it's on tsn and and all that and all that kind of stuff so you must really benefit from that
2: yeah yeah for sure um the pan am games first of all is such a cool event um going into the the opening ceremonies and seeing i think in peru we were in the national soccer stadium and it was full and i'd never been in front of that many people before and um in addition when we tricked uh, i finished second in tricks and natalia kugliev on one in the womens and for her to be i think she was the first uh, f- no first fee or uh, just athlete in general that from peru that had ever won back to back gold medals and i've never seen that many cameras before at a podium oh, shot wow. so that was really cool so just in in general the pan am games is something that I think anybody that lives in this in the Pan Am region should shoot for. It's an amazing event. And, yeah, in terms of exposure, for sure. Um, not only with my family legacy being a big part of the Games, my dad was the winningest Canadian athlete of all time in Canada until the Games in Peru, and at which point Whitney took over. And I think my dad had 14 medals, and Whitney has 15 now. Wow. I might be wrong. Don't quote me on that <laughs> okay one. But, um, yeah, so obviously there's a huge history in canada for water skiing and especially at the games and the world championships um and they they do value that the at the last at the games in peru um the the chief of the canadian olympic association chef de michel exactly um yeah your your pronunciation is probably going to be better than mine on that one so i let you take that um but yeah he was there and um all his number twos were all there watching us ski and they came for the overall final, which was also a really cool aspect of that event, having an overall final where, uh, even after the first two days of the tournament, um, I think I was leading both days and went to the finals and could have went from first to sixth on the next day. But yeah, they, they watched us, uh, ski that day. And I was fortunate enough to come home with the gold medal and they were all super excited. And like you said, TSN was there and played all the clips and, so yeah, it's it's a great experience and also great exposure for the sport as well.
0: Okay, overall final. Uh, I wasn't going to touch upon that, but thank you for bringing that up because the last time there was an overall final, so far as our sport was concerned, the World Championships, I think, was about 2003, and and ever since then, uh, the the scores taken from the from the first first and second rounds count towards your overall total and de- determine who are the world overall Champions. So let me let me present this to you. What, how would you rather have the world overall champion be crowned by that method? or by having a separate overall final where the, where the top three from the first round will go into like a
2: final shootout? Oh, man. I'm, I'm so conflicted about this question. Um, it's a question that we've been asking ourselves a lot recently, not only with the Worlds, but, um, you know, we've had more overall tournaments in the past couple of years. And even, you know, with my family's tournament in Austria, we're doing an overall event this year as well as last year. And each year we've asked ourselves that question of what's better. And, you know, from, from a standpoint of having an overall final, it's definitely better for the crowd, for everybody watching, um, to go back to zero with no protected scores. And, you know, you got to go out there and you got to lay it down. That's obviously the most exciting. I mean, it's what we do in almost every other event, you know, you in uh, King of darkness. Now, tomorrow we go into the finals, no scores protected. You go for it. And whoever comes out on top wins. Um, and then if I play Devil's Advocate, you know, um, does giving people two rounds if you make the finals, does that give you the guy that's truly the best in terms of overall, in terms of consistency? Um, yeah, like I said, I'm super conflicted about this. Um, it just depends upon the situation. I mean, I mean, if
0: you made if you made it through to the, uh, to the overall finals and you're in first place, and you end up dropping all the way down to, down to third, of course, you, of course you're not going to be an yeah. advocate for that. But, but I mean, it's...
2: Yeah, I, and, you know, it, it's something that we've talked about as well in terms of the recognition of the event of overall instead of just saying, you know, we're going to the Worlds and going to compete in three events. Like, I obviously, and a lot of the other overall guys, we focus on each event individually, but we are always cognizant of the fact that there is an overall event. So... You know, um, I've heard from the Canadian Olympic Association at one point that they were saying, you know, well, the reason why we don't give funding for overall specifically is because it's, quote-unquote, a paper event. But I can tell you 100% when guys go to the Worlds, it is not a paper event. We know exactly what everybody's doing in overall, and we know exactly what we need to win overall. Um, So having an overall final would take that element out of other people's minds i don't think it changes as much in the mentality of the skier except for the fact that your strategy has to change so i guess i haven't answered the question very well um we can use this to kind of open the forum for more people and oh, absolutely other people can basically try to come in and convince me as to what's right because like i said i'm, I'm still struggling to figure out the answer
0: all right then and what i love about this interview well uh dorian what you can confirm to me is i have absolutely no script in front of me there's nothing no sheet of paper no pen nothing it's all off the cuff okay it's all off the cuff and the one thing that you mentioned in that answer and i'm glad you brought it up was funding because obviously uh skiers from canada getting the get a stipend or something like that and i'm not too sure i mean i haven't dealt into the financials why would i <laughs> but i mean it kind of kind of explain how 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 the canadian teams are funded from their olympic association or what have you and how yeah. that kind of differs a little bit from from what you've heard elsewhere
2: yeah we're super fortunate in canada um it wasn't a factor when i switched countries uh, i started skiing for austria when i was a junior and i I knew that I could make all the open teams when I was really young and got to ski at the Worlds when I was 13, but always knew that I wanted to switch to Canada. For me, it was more of a personal feeling of that's what I wanted. Um, The funding wasn't, when I was 18, wasn't at the forefront of my mind. But now that I have switched, I can see why my parents at least factored that in. Um, Canada's awesome for us. Uh, We get treated super well. Um, We get somewhat the Olympic treatment in terms of the carding that we're referring to with our funding. Um, So, yeah, you go to the world championships and if you finish in the top eight, then you're uh, automatically in contention for getting an Olympic card. And then in terms of where everybody finishes, we do have a limited amount of cards. So uh, if, if eight people finish or I think it's six actually right now or seven. Um, if seven people finish first place, and or sorry, that's not even possible, but if seven people finish on the podium and then the next person is not on the podium, unfortunately, that that person that didn't make the podium would not get a card. So, you know, that that is a little bit of the downside of that funding is at some points in the tournament, it can feel like you're competing against your own team, mm-hmm. which like you alluded to before, you know, water skiing is a, an individual event and we travel there as a team but yeah you never want to sit there and and have to wish that somebody on your team doesn't ski well so that you can get funding so you know and we're all we're all such good friends that that never has really come into play nobody's ever you know gotten mad at somebody else What, what can you do if somebody skis better than you you just have to accept it but um yeah Canada's I can't thank Canada the Canadian Association enough for the fact that they are that behind us in terms of the sport and obviously you, you see it in our team i mean we're able to come down here to florida and we're able to compete every single year for a podium if not a gold medal and and uh yeah just the amount of talent that's come out of canada and for a place that is cold most of the year i d- it definitely has to do with not only the the people that we have in our own association but also the funding that we get allows us to keep pushing a nation that prides itself in ice hockey and curling as yeah. excels at tournament water skiing who knew Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I said before, you know, uh, Whitney and my dad, two winningest uh, people in terms of Pan Am game history. So, yeah, there's definitely a culture in Canada for water skiing, especially, you know, going to the cabins in the summers and being with the family and stuff. And that's just something that I hope that we can tap into that that viewer base, because there are so many people in the world that watch skiing or, or that have skied. But that they just don't understand the pro side of it, and if we can just figure out how to tap into that, you know, we have millions and millions of people that would be genuinely interested in the sport.
0: I'm sure that your father Jarrett uh, makes uh, makes no pains to remind you how accomplished he was out there on the water. But just to round off uh, this uh, podcast, what
2: would be the dream ending to a season for you? Oh, for sure, uh, world championship gold medal world record uh team medal obviously is something that comes into play but uh yeah i want to win the overall world championships and yeah just kind of stamp like you said stamp my own name into that llewellyn legacy and i just saw uh what a month ago that iwsf came out with the athlete of the quarter century and opened up the website and boom there's my dad's face next to athlete (laughs) of the quarter century so just a little reminder of how amazing he was in the sport and you know, what, how fortunate I am to have grown up in the family that I have with not, not only my dad being a world champ, but my mom as well. And yeah. So, you know, that's, that's always been a goal of mine is to win the worlds and overall, and um, definitely not going to handicap myself in terms of any event. You know, I want to want to push myself and jump and see what I can do there and tricks as well. And, you know, you never know in slalom. So, yeah, like I said, I, I tend to push myself in each event and, you know, whatever happens, happens in the end.
0: All right, so uh, you've just listened to Dorian Llewellyn. Uh, thank you very much for participating in this podcast, and we wish you the very best of luck going forward, not only in this King of Darkness tournament, but also for the remaining, rem- remaining tournaments on your schedule.
2: Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, talk with you a little bit.
0: Not a problem, and uh, you've been listening to me, Tony Lightfoot, this, this latest episode of the TWBC podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time, I'm going to say ciao for
1: now.